God to celebrate His goodness, His grace, His mercy, His loving kindness, His favor. Thank God for favor. Come on, thank God for favor, somebody. Glory to God. No wonder David was excited about coming to the house of the Lord. Could you just stand, take a peek around you this morning, just look at um, even all those faces that you haven't seen in quite some time, all those that are gracing our presence today for this celebration of Jesus in this place. Hallelujah. Oh, man, don't this make you real excited to be a Christian? You're saved and you know you are on your way to heaven. Amen. Going to dismiss for Children's Church. Praise the Lord at this time. And thank God for babies. Thank God for babies. As long as there are babies being born, God is going to have a church. Shout amen. I wonder who along with me just faced everything the devil had this week, but you came out on top. How many still in your, win- how many still in your winning season? I, I need to see us. Come on, y'all. I need to see a show of hands that know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. It's your winning season. Come on, I need you to wave them before the presence of God. Hallelujah. I need you to let the enemy know it's my winning season. You can't win in the shape you win. How can I lose with the stuff I use? Hallelujah. It's my winning season. Glory to the Lamb of God. The Bible said, yea, we are more than conquerors through the blood of Jesus Christ, he who loved us. You are not losing in this fight. Glory to God. You are winning in this fight today. I say again, you are not losing, but you are winning in this fight. It might not look favorable at times, but we're still winning in this fight. Hallelujah. I want to read one verse of Scripture in your hearing today. One verse. We said last week that God had spoken into our heart and would have answered the three most important questions in life. This is, this is from my list. This is real personal. So this is from, from my list. What are the three most important questions in, in life? If you, if you polled this audience. I said last week, number one was, who is your master? Who's your master? Without a doubt, Jesus Christ is the Savior, Lord, and King of our lives. He occupies the throne of our hearts. Somebody shout glory. Today I want to ask the question, what's your mission? What is your mission? Let's look to the recorded gospel of John. John chapter 20 and verse number 21. Some exciting things taking place in the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Don't forget camp meeting services begin on next Monday evening. At PowerPoint Church they will host camp services this year. Evangelist Jimmy Jones and Dr. Alton Garrison will be ministering to us in those services. Looking forward to a great time in the Lord. Are you there? John 20 and 21. One verse in the presence of Almighty God. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. And as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Important words. Jesus emphasizes as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And ask yourself this question today. What is my mission? What is my 
mission. Heavenly Father, God, we pause in this instance to glorify you in your great name. Thanking you, God, for allowing us to assemble together again today in this place of worship reserved for the worship, praise, adoration, and glorification of you, the Lord, our God. Lord, would you in this moment just free our minds and open our hearts to receive what your word is speaking to us. Somehow today through your anointing, would you encourage the body of believers to know their mission. If one unsaved person has graced our presence on today, I release the high sheriff, the Holy Spirit, to convict them and bring them to repentance through confession that they may see the glorious gift of salvation. In Jesus' name. God's church said amen. Look at your neighbor. Neighbor, watch your mission. What is your mission? Would it be safe to say that God is at work in the world today? Is God, is, is God at work? Is he governing the affairs of the entire world that you and I occupy in this current moment? Is anything going on that God's not aware of? Does anything escape God? Is there work to be done? Next question, doesn't it overjoy you to know that God wants you to join him? Doesn't it just excite us today, the body of Christ, the church? Doesn't it excite us to know that in this work, God wants us to join him? That assignment then, dear friends, is called our mission. The word mission derives from the Latin word which translates into the act or the instant of sending. Okay? So as Christians, we're sent into the world as representatives of Jesus Christ. Paul said we're ambassadors. That's a divinely appointed legal representative of Jesus Christ. Doesn't it excite us to know today that we have been entrusted with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that the church for which he gave his life is the transportation device or the vehicle through which the gospel will be taken to the world. Doesn't that excite us? I told us earlier, how about favor? Isn't favor a blessing? I'll tell you something, favor isn't either. Favor isn't free. And favor isn't fair. And a lot of folks say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm not sure that I understand. Just count yourself blessed if the favor of God... Somebody say, well, I need to understand what favor is. It's divine approval. Favor is divine approval. It means, Sister Judy, you have been approved by God. That's what favor is. A lot of folks scream it's not fair, but man, it in favor of blessing. Praise the Lord. Favor is a blessing. We've been favored among all the people of the earth to take the gospel to the world. Don't confuse your mission with your ministry. Oftentimes, uh, people get kind of crossed up here. But our ministry is the service or the functions that we produce as believers. So don't get mission and ministry confused. 
Mark Twain said this. He said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Hello? Real important. The day you were born and the day you find out why. I'm going to hit the safety switch here, but I believe it would be proper for me to assume that every one of us in here has asked the question more than one time, God, why was I born? Strike a nerve. Why was I born? I can say with confidence that my life's mission is to simply love people and lead them to Jesus Christ. That's my mission. That's why I was born. Now, Jesus knew his mission in life at an early age. Are you listening, saints of God? What did Jesus say in Luke 2 and 49? Jesus knew, praise the Lord, his mission in life. This is, he's talking to his mom and dad, his earthly parents. And he said, why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? He was 12 years old. Do you think Mary and Joseph really understood the words that Jesus said? He was 12. What did Jesus know? How many of you thought you knew more than an adult at 12 years old? In the fourth grade, I thought I was smarter than my mom and dad. Come on, somebody. But they proved me wrong. Hello? So Mary and Joseph, his earthly parents, they didn't fully comprehend the depth of Jesus' words. I must, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. But this, my friends, is proof that Jesus knew his identity and Jesus knew his mission. Hello? Let's look at Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. Luke 19 and verse 10. Oftentimes, we, we, we kind of get twisted up when it comes to this. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I've, God sent his son to do what? To seek and to save all that which was lost. Would you say that was Jesus' mission? That was Jesus' mission. To seek and to save that which was lost. Somebody says his name was Jesus Christ. Christ was his last name. No, Christ was his mission. Jesus was his name. But Christ was his mission. Christ means Messiah. Or the anointed one. Or savior. So Jesus came, Brother Tedrick, to seek and to save all that which was lost. That was his simple mission. Praise the Lord. And I want us to know that we are to continue the mission of Jesus today in the spiritual sense as his church. How many know Jesus has ascended back to the Father? He's sitting there right now making intercession for you and I at the Father's right hand, his rightful place on the throne. So, Brother Bobby, he has left us, his church, every born-again believer, Sister Sonia, with this great endeavor to take the ministry he initiated to the world. Praise God. I want to tell you something. This is serious work. Is ministry serious work? Is the mission of spreading the gospel serious work? Absolutely. For we have been charged with a tremendous responsibility. Everybody can't do this. You know why the world can't do it? Because they don't know Jesus. So would it be easier to say 
that because they have no relationship with him, they cannot communicate truths about him? You say, wait a minute, preacher, even the devil knows the Bible. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a second. You better believe for everything God has, the enemy will have a counterfeit, Brother Stephen. But the truth of the matter is, the scriptures tell us that only the spirit man can discern spiritual things. So how effective a witness would we be if we didn't know Jesus Christ by experience? How effective a minister or a witness would we be if that hadn't taken place? It would be virtually impossible because then we wouldn't be effective. What did our Sunday school lesson say? The power of the Holy, Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples to empower them, Brother Gerald, for effective ministry. They could not be effective witnesses without the Holy Spirit's presence in their life. So we've been charged with a tremendous responsibility. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28. 18 through 20. And here's what the Word of God says. This is after the resurrection. Jesus had been seen of many on numerous occasions, but this was before the ascension back into heaven to take his place at the right hand of God. Brother Mitchell, here's what Jesus says to his followers. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Anybody know what this passage of Scripture is commonly referred to as? The Great Commission. Now the next magical question is who is it specific to? So it's not pastor specific. It's not preacher specific. Hello? It's not disciple and or apostle specific. So who is the Great Commission for? Y'all act real, looking, y'all acting real shy today. I mean, I, I need everybody just to get together and let's do this like it should be. So if it's not pastor specific, it's not preacher specific, it's not apostle or disciple specific, then who is the great commission for? All believers. It is for all believers, you need to write this down. It is not optional. The Great Commission is not optional. It is mandatory. What does that mean? We need to get busy. I mean we need to be about our dad's business, Brother Mike. Well, that's the preacher's job. No, we just sat here and corporately agreed that it is every believer's job to fulfill the great commission. Commission means task or endeavor. 
Nobody said it would be easy. Nobody said, glory to God, that it would be sunshine and roses. But that's why Jesus, at the conclusion of that address, said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. I'm feeling real anointed right now. Because most of us won't go if we don't have a sidekick. Most of us don't go if we don't have somebody to ride shotgun. But what did Jesus say? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. What does that mean? As long as we got Jesus. Oh my, y'all ain't want to help me. Long as I got Jesus, amen. It is a task that can be viewed as not impossible, but very possible. Gentleman said to me the other day, uh, how, do, how, how can uh, spirits wear clothes? So when you see a spirit, does it have clothes? Well, the Bible said that Jesus, they were sitting together, glory to God, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead in a room, and he appeared unto them. And he said to me, explain how Jesus walked through a room with clothes on. I said, what relevance does that have to your eternal salvation? And then I said, do we not embrace this reality that all things are possible with God? If we embrace that reality, then I don't know how he did it. I just know he did. Oh, my somebody. Praise the Lord. I don't know how. I just know he did. Come on, somebody. I said, that's where we're going to have to leave it. That's one of those mysteries that in the process of time, we're going to have to allow God to bring to our understanding. But it has no relevance to my salvation. The Bible said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Praise the Lamb of God. So, 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 Pastor, if this is not an option and it's mandatory, then why, why, why can I not just view this as the great suggestion? Because it's not just a suggestion. It is a commission. A sending is what Jesus has issued in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want to begin by speaking today on the term fulfilling life's goals. Anybody ever had any goals in life? What's your mission? You ever had any goals in life? What's a goal? It's the object of our ambition. That's what a goal is. To fulfill it means we accomplish it or we complete it. So today, saints of God, if it's contentment, if it's fulfillment, if it's inner peace that we want to achieve, we have to discover our passions and our life's purposes. For without them as our compass, our goals and plans may not fulfill us. Is that right? Let me just ask this question. Did anybody turn out completely different than you thought you would? Lord, let me raise both hands. I mean, who wanted to do what you're doing right now with every ounce of your being? Not one of us. Maya Angelou, a great poet, singer, civil rights activist here in the United States, said, my mission is in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive. And to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. That's what Maya Angelou said. She died just a few years ago in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But I believe, saints of God, that we are all born with unique life purposes. Believe that? I believe we're born with a set of talents and abilities 
that through persistence we can develop into skills. That's what I believe. Look at that graph on the screen. You may not be able to, to read it very clearly, but listen, this is the difference in men and women. Number one, to be financially secure, 39 women said, yep, I want to be, I want to be financially secure. 41 men said, I want to be financially secure. So it goes without saying, men are more concerned about being financially secure than women. Who'd have thought? 28 women said, I want to have a family. 30 men said it. Go boys. Get married, 27 women. Uh-oh. 29 men. Well, you'll have to read it. But it goes on. It goes on to tell us the flow of the gender battle. Women versus men. How they view achieving or fulfilling life's goals. But listen. Look at Psalm 37, 23. Psalm 37 and verse 23. The steps of a good man. That's generic now. That means man or woman. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. God has a special direction or a plan. But without him, we are destined for disappointment. For men, even as strong as we are, we still need God's guidance in our lives. Am I right? Anybody ever had goals to be anything other than what you are? I saw this good friend of mine on a, a billboard near my home recently, and I said, man, I am so honored to know a celebrity. Praise the Lord. There's a, there's a, a sense of accomplishment that comes with success. Am I right? So has any of us in this room ever dreamt of being something other than what we are? I, I want to be the first to tell you, as a child, I thought I was born to be a professional baseball player. I'm serious. I thought I was born to be a professional baseball player. In spite of the fact I never made it, I still today, at 55 years of age, have dreams of what would it have been like if I made it. Anybody ever felt that way? I quickly learned that after it wasn't part of God's plan for me to be a professional athlete, I quickly learned to accept my divine destiny. Hallelujah. What is that? Well, I discovered in the process of time that my gift mix was working with the public and interceding for the souls of lost men and women. Where did I find my niche in society? Of all places, the food industry. I find my place in society in the food industry. Brother Tedrick, it brought me to face-to-face -face interaction with people, which fulfills my life more than anything. I know that you know that I'm an extrovert. Very outgoing, expressive socialite, never meet a stranger. Somebody said I had the gift of gab. I can talk about almost anything. 
but I can really talk about Jesus. Hello? So my love for people, my love for humanity has become one of the most driving forces in my life. And it's because of this that I believe, although I never imagined this as a child, that God would place me in the food industry and in ministry. Hey, I look at it like this. I'm blessing people two ways. They're being fed physically and spiritually. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? Taking care of those two great needs in the lives of people. What's your mission? Have you ever asked yourself, Lord, why am I here? What did you, what did you bring me into existence for? And Lord, what is my duty in the household of faith in your church? What, what's my mission? You see, a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan. It's just a wish. For nobody ever plans to fail. Many people just fail to plan. Oh my. But fulfilling goals, saints of God, it's a process. Say that word real slow. Process. Like a lot of food we eat. It's processed. Somebody said, don't tell me that chicken came off the yard or I won't eat it. Really? Somebody said, don't tell me that egg came out of your chicken coop or I won't eat. Where do you think they all came from? Just don't tell you? Seriously? Well, I promise you, you would much rather eat a chicken off the yard. Preach, Pastor. Got to move on. Some of you will stop buying chicken. Say the word process. Anybody know what that is? Is it something that happens instantly or over time? Over time. It involves a number of things like commitment and discipline, planning and passion. It would be helpful for us to embrace this reality. That it requires conscious daily decisions and diligent effort with no distractions to fulfill goals in life. That's what it takes. And to know your place that God has called you to in this world. It takes those things. We will be blessed today as the body of believers to know that we have a divine destiny. Every saint of God in this church today has a divine destiny. So let me encourage you to walk with a purpose. Since you have a divine destiny, what does that mean? Destiny means fate or outcome. Divine means godly or of God. So we have a godly fate. The Lord has set our course. And we need to do our part as the body of believers, the church of the living God, to find our mission in this world. Okay? One of our major problems is that we're, we're Christians and we call ourselves children of God, but we don't live with an, inter we don't live with an eternal perspective. 
We just see things in the moment as they are, and we don't see it beyond that. That is so not right, you guys. Because we're the church. We're the body of Christ. Listen, and this great commission is not pastor or preacher specific. It's a divine assignment or a mission. What is it? It's to proclaim repentance for forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus Christ to all nations of the world. You say, well, preacher, I got saved, but I mean, I don't have, the church is the only place in the world that never gives layoffs. The church is the only place in the world that never sends home pink slips. Y'all real quiet. Why, Pastor, why would you say that? Because there is always work to be done in the household of faith. There is always time and room to advance God's kingdom. How many want to go to heaven? How many want to see everybody else go? How many want anybody to be left behind? Well, then we have this great task, this great body of work that Jesus has called us to and that God has released to our charge. So let's get busy. Let's get busy. If we think that gathering here one time a week on Sunday morning does it for us, we've already missed it. We've already missed it, saints, because there's work for the kingdom that's taking place around the world 24-7. 24-7. Anybody know the actor Kurt Cameron? You know Kurt Cameron? He was Mike Seaver on Growing Pains, right? Kirk said this, if you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you share it? So then Kirk challenged us. He's talking to Christians. And here's what he said. You have the cure to death. So get out there and share it. Is that the truth? You missed a good place to shout right there. We don't just have the cure for cancer. We've got the cure for death. His name is Jesus Christ. Get out there and share him with the world. That's why I asked that question. Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want others to go with you? Do you want anybody to be left behind? That's why there's always work to be done. That's why advancing the kingdom of God is serious work. Praise the Lord. We're not here to build churches and, and, and things that honor who we are and what we've accomplished. We're here to do what? We're here to advance God's kingdom. Take Jesus to the world. So what, what do we need to do? We need to take the focus off of ourselves and put it on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is he not the reason you gathered here this morning? Oh, I get it. Some of you didn't see your friends since last week. Is that it? The reason I came today was to glorify God. The reason I came here was to worship Jesus Christ, to exalt his name, to give him praise. That's why I'm here. That's why all, all believers should gather in the household of faith. We are indebted forever to God for all that he has done for us. So there's work to be done. And we have a divine destiny as the people of God. So we must walk with a purpose. 
Do you understand the depth of what Jesus was saying when he said, work while it's day, for night comes when no man can work? You understand the depth of that? Seizing the moment, making the most of the opportunity given is what Jesus is saying to us. But we are so consumed and so overwhelmed with me, myself, and I that we put the ministry of Jesus Christ on a back burner and we justify it by saying things like this. Well, the Lord knows. We say things like, even Jesus withdrew from the press of the multitudes and he rested. So he knows we need to rest. Yeah, but not when he's prompting us in the spirit to be busy about advancing his kingdom. There are times for that. Life should be about a balance. What's that old saying? All work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy. Any truth to that? Well, we embrace it as such. I got to move on. Jesus revealed the key components or elements or parts to fulfilling his mission here upon the earth. You're going to need to write these down. He reveals them to us. Number one is the source. The source. The origin, the beginning of fulfilling our mission here upon the earth. What is it? The word of Almighty God. That's the source. Let's look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. It's available on the screen, but I love to hear pages turning. I love for folks to do the homework so when they get there, their memory retention, the effort that was put forth to gain this, it will help us better remember it. Anybody there? Luke 24. Let's look at verse 44 and 45. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scripture. Somebody say the source is the Word of God. Saints of God, the death of Jesus Christ was not an accident. The death of Jesus Christ was the sovereign will and purpose of God. Am I right? Had Jesus not died, would we have been introduced to God's plan of salvation? No. So the death of Jesus Christ was not a mere accident. It was the sovereign, divine will and plan of God. After all the disciples had uh, what they had witnessed, it was not until after Jesus was resurrected that they truly comprehended the Scriptures. What do witnesses do? They witness. What does that involve? It reveals what you've seen and heard. Am I right? Did the disciples prior to the day of Pentecost, did they have enough supportive evidence to the reality that Jesus Christ was the Son of God that they needed? Did they have enough? Sure they did. But how effective would they have been without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? 
they wouldn't have been effective. You say, Pastor, Pastor, how can you say that? Well, at that time, Sister Betty, they were terrified. They were afraid they were going to die because they were associated with Jesus Christ. Anybody read the book? So who was the last living witness of Jesus? John. John was the last living witness of Jesus. Where were the rest of the disciples? Running scared. Hiding. Terrified. Following from afar. Were they concerned? With their own life. How about with Jesus and what was going to happen to him? Didn't we tell you weeks ago that Jesus, speaking directly to Peter, when he began to say to the disciples the things he would suffer, and Peter said, Lord, that's not going to happen to you because I'm willing to go with you to prison and even all the way to death. And he looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Didn't Jesus say that? That's word. That's the Bible. That's in the scriptures. So at that moment in time, who were the disciples concerned about? Themselves. How are they going to take the gospel to the world and they're running scared? But did God have a plan? Y'all real quiet. I said, did God have a plan? How long ago did this plan originate? From the beginning of the world. You got to remember one thing about God. He's never shaken. And nothing that takes place in the world, Brother Bobby, catches God by surprise. Because he's omniscient. He knows, Sister Zena, everything. Did he know that those disciples would run in fear? Absolutely. But he also knew he had reserved for them the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that after receiving that baptism and the fulfillment that he promised, he knew those disciples would burn up before they would burn you get this? What's your mission? Today, we need to ask ourselves, what's our mission? You know that same guy, Peter, that said, I'm willing to go with you to prison and to death? You know how he died? He was crucified upside down. History tells us, Brother James, because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. They crucified him, Brother Jason, upside down. They tried to kill John more than one time. They put him in a vat of hot oil and tried to boil him to death, but it didn't work. They plucked his eyes out, amen to God, and thought that would do away with Brother John. But Sequoia, I read the book of Revelation where John said, amen, exiled to the rocky island of Patmos. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. What's your mission? What's your purpose in life? Paul said to Timothy, I am now ready. And the time of my departure, Holy Ghost help me, is at hand. For I have fought a good fight. Brother Paul, I have finished my course. Paul said, I have kept the faith. And henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the God himself, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all them who love him and his appearing. What's your mission in life? Paul said, I know mine. Amen.
John said, I know mine. Peter said, I know mine. Do you know yours? Witnesses don't make up stories. They tell what they've seen and what they've heard. I don't know if you trace the steps of individuals in Scripture to this degree or not. But it amazed me that they were all running in terror until Jesus rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave and he appeared to them, something happened in the lives of those men. Brother Eric, something greater happened after Pentecost. Because they were summoned before the leaders and told not to preach or teach in Jesus' name anymore. Can anybody tell me who it was that stepped up and said, whip us if you got to. But we can't help but tell what we've seen and what we heard. Anybody know his name? Who was it? It was Peter. It was Peter. It was Peter who said, you go ahead, but we, 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 we cannot help but witness of the things that we have both seen and both heard. Brother Dwight, what did that say to me? That simply said, I'm willing to bear the brunt of whatever comes my way for the cause of Jesus Christ. He gave his life for me. It's the least that I can do. So Jesus lists these components as the key for fulfilling your mission in the world. Number one is the source, which is the Word of God. On one occasion, the disciples and Jesus were actively involved in ministry. And they said to him, Lord, I mean, we, we, you're tired. You, I mean, you need to rest. Come on, sit down. Hey, Brother Gomez, let's, let's, let's eat. And Jesus said in John 4 and 34, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work that he has sent me to do. When we are concerned about our stomachs, when we are concerned about the physical man, Holy Ghost, help me. Jesus said, My concern. My focus, amen, my ministry, apart from all distractions, is to do what? The will of him who sent me and to finish what he sent me to do, amen. amen. We've never been hungry. We think we have. But we'll listen to our stomach make noises and it'll send a message to our mind that we're starving. We're not starving. We're just so accustomed to eating that we don't know the difference. They said, come on, Jesus. Let's stop all this work and go eat. And Real seriously, Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish the work he gave me to do. How about that, saints of God? Is that our mission today? To finish the work Jesus has sent us to do? You say, preacher, I don't understand it. You see, apart from God's word, I need you to hear this. I think folks think that you can just trump up some kind of message. You can, get your, you can get a message out of a newspaper clipping or a magazine. I want you to know something apart from God and his word. I don't have anything to say because apart from God and his word, there is no message. Oh, my saints. Oh, my. 
Wait, pastor. Men and, men and women all over the world, they're turning ministry into a vocation. Ministry is not a vocation. Ministry is a calling, hallelujah, to the Lamb of God. Amen. He said in the book of John, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Brother buddy, I've invested my whole life in this, that I would never disappoint God. I would never let God down, that he found favor in me to call me into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I perfect? No. I've missed it by a long shot. I've done things that I knew weren't right. Oh, but thank God for grace and thank God for mercy. Everybody in here ought to raise their hand and said glory to God and praise his name. Jesus said the key component to being successful in fulfilling your ministry, your mission, your purpose in this life is number one, the source, which is the Word of God. Secondly, subject. Write that down. Subject. What is that? It's a person or a thing being discussed, described, or dealt with. What is it? What, what's the subject? What's the subject? If the Word of God is my source, brother, amen, brother Jason, then what's my subject? Preach Jesus and Him crucified. Amen. You worried about what you're going to deliver? You worried about what message you could preach? Oh, Peter stood up one day. Brother Tedrick, after the day of Pentecost, when he was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, that same man who was running for his life, what did he do? He stood up, he preached a Jesus, the Son of God, and him crucified. Amen. And 3,000 people got saved. What are you saying? Amen. This is the subject. The subject is this, Christ and his work on the cross. Christ. And his work on the cross. If we'll preach Jesus and his work on the cross, it'll save the world. Am I right? Hallelujah. You see, Jesus had to suffer death and rise again. You say, why, preacher? Why did Jesus have to suffer death and rise again? So that repentance for the forgiveness of sins could be proclaimed in his name. God's church ought to shout hallelujah. Oh, because why? Because at once Paul said we were just alienators. Amen. We were just strangers. We were not even connected, amen, to the household of faith. Are you with me, saints of God? At one time Paul said we was on the outside, Brother Gomez, just looking in. Oh, praise the Lamb of God. Brother Dwight, I grew up in, in segregation. That was a time when even all cultures and nationalities of people could not assemble in a place. I know some of you are older than I am in this room, so I know that you remember it. Oh, what a feeling it must have been to feel that you were not up to par, that you were not adequate, that you were an outcast. Oh, but glory to the Lamb of God. One day, Sister Zena, a God, He crafted us in. He embraced us as His children, and we are no longer aliens and pilgrims and strangers, but we are a child of God. I didn't come to be racist today. I didn't come to talk about that ugly thing that's raised its head over and over and over again in this world. But oh my God, what it must have felt like to walk up to a public place of business and it would say something like whites only. I didn't come to embarrass anybody. I didn't come to put anybody down. I mean, it don't matter where you came from anyway. What matters is where you're going. I'm a, come on, somebody. I want to know how many of us in this room today that are sitting here right now under, the, under God's presence, I wonder how many of us had anything to do with how we arrived here. 
Did you choose your pedigree? Did you pick your mom and dad? No, none of us did. Hello? Help me, saints of God. None of us had anything to do with how we got here. Oh, but thank the living God that we can do something about where we go from here. Somebody ought to help me, praise the Lord. Thank God that we can do something about where we go from here. Praise the Lord. Somebody said, well, my daddy was this, and because he was, I got to. No, 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 no. That doesn't mean that. Amen. Because your daddy was, he made that choice. It doesn't mean you have to be what he was. You can be different, praise God. And only one way you can do it, by the power of God that lives in you. Somebody has made this assessment. Well, your daddy was an alcoholic, so chances are you're going to be. No, that doesn't have to be true, saints of God. Praise the Lord. You're not what people call you anyway. Amen. Are you, are you listening to me? But you are what you answer to. Oh, praise God. You say, how am I going to be successful in my mission, Brother Marty? How am I going to succeed at fulfilling my divine destiny? Number one, I connect with the source, which is the Word of God. Hmm? Number two, I embrace its subject matter. Who is it? Jesus and his work on the cross. You know what? Prior to studying in that in-depth study of, of the tabernacle that we studied recently in Bible study, how many would have ever imagined you would have seen a foreshadow of Jesus Christ in things that were incorporated in the tabernacle? How many would have guessed that? We'd probably read it dozens of times and never it never leapt off the page at us. But God was incorporating what he would do in the future through Jesus Christ. Hello, saints of God. Hallelujah. In the tabernacle, which was built thousands of years, Brother Randy, before Jesus ever made his appearance in the flesh on the earth. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that even prior to Jesus and his redemptive work on the cross, he was still visible throughout the pages of the Old Testament. Amen. That's good preaching, y'all. And because of that, those saints of God look forward, Sister Leanne, to a time of the cross where we now look back on that that took place on the cross of Calvary. Say amen if you're with me. So Jesus had to suffer death and to rise again so that repentance for forgiveness of sin could be proclaimed in His name. This will really bless you. Jesus' death paid the penalty Woo! that we deserve. God have mercy. Y'all ain't want to help me. I, I wonder who would stand. Who would be my witness right now and say I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Who would stand and say I'm going to be a witness. I'm thankful today for the blood of Jesus Christ. His death on a cross paid the penalty for sin in my life. Hallelujah to God. see without Jesus death on a cross uh, we deserve death does it ever strike you friend come on somebody does it ever just weigh real heavy on you that you should have been crucified in the place of Jesus Christ does it ever just weigh heavily on your shoulders that it was your life that should have been given 
for the penalty of sins you committed. But somebody ought to raise both hands and say, God, I want to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for me that through his life I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I think about that often. You see, friend, everything in the new, it was foreshadowed in the old. Preach, Pastor. Come on, y'all. Let's look at let's look at Luke 24 and 46 and 47. 47. Luke 24, 46, 47. And here's what the Bible said. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. How many of you want to thank God today that His Word is forever being brought to life, amen, in our very own presence. And things that were said in the Word of God are fulfilling today right before our very eyes. So if you want to know how to be successful in your mission, in your assignment in this world, know this, you need to get connected to the source. Glory to God and then you need to drive home its subject matter. What is it? Jesus and his work upon the cross. You know the whole Bible. This book, it's a love story. Isn't it? A love story of God and his people. Drive it home. It'll win souls to Jesus Christ. Won't it do it? I want to tell you that in the Bible, the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, it makes this emphatic statement. According to the law, most all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. How many know that? How many know Jesus had to die so we could live? Oh, you say, preacher, I don't understand that. Well, all you'd have to do is go back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 17 and verse 11, and you would understand that all that the New Testament did was fulfill what was mentioned in the Old Testament. For the Bible tells us, Sister Renee, that in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, it tells us that the life is in the blood. Hallelujah to God. Brother Stephen, what are you saying? Amen. You can take a person's ability to breathe, but there's a machine that'll do it for them. What are you trying to say? But if you take the blood, the Bible said the life of anything is in the blood. Glory to God. And because of Jesus exhausted his blood, it was shed for the chance so we could have this right to eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's no laughing matter. It's nothing to be taken for granted. But it's something very serious, friend, that Jesus bled out on the cross of Calvary for your sins and for mine. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, Bobby. There is no forgiveness for sin. You say, preacher, I don't understand that. Why? Sister Leanne, because the life of anything is in the blood. Hallelujah. So, so brother, what do you want? I mean, what do you mean? What are you trying to tell me today? You see, Jesus' death paid the penalty we deserved. What did it do? What did the death of Jesus Christ do? What did the shedding of Jesus' blood do? It satisfied God's perfect demand for justice. Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. All other body parts can fail. We're going to live on. We can live without a kidney, gallbladder, hello. We don't have to have it one lung. But that heart, which pumps the blood flow through the whole body, we've got to have it. 
because if the blood don't flow, then life will end. Am I right? Help me some of you in the medical field. That's why the life is in the blood. Thirdly, to be successful in fulfilling our mission is we have to understand the scope, the range, or the extent of the mission for which we've been called. You see, in the last 25 years, there have been radical new focuses on missions in the world. There have been an increase in missionaries and church plants around the world. You ought to put your hands together and give God glory right now for that. Amen. Because this church is sending out missionaries to fulfill this great commission in all the world. Come on, give the Lord praise like He rightfully deserves. Amen. And because of that, the ministry of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, it's crossing language and customs and cultural barriers like it never has before. I'm going to conclude with Luke 24 and 49. I'm going to conclude. And here's what the Bible says. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Say this to you, my friend. We can only be effective witnesses if we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Is that true? Come on, answer. Is that true? We can only be effective witnesses if we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Knowledge is not enough. It's not enough. We need the Holy Spirit of God. So I want to ask this question again and you're hearing today. What is your mission? What's your mission? What assignment have you received as the child of God to take the gospel of Jesus to the world? We've been charged with a tremendous responsibility. So I want to encourage us today to stay devoted to the task. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed over the auditorium in this moment. This is the most serious time of this service. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ and the pardon and forgiveness of sin, we told you earlier that according to his word, he came to seek and to save all that which was lost. So how many today will receive that glorious gift? How many will acknowledge today in the presence of the living God? I'm lost and I need Jesus. Can I see a hand? Can I see the hand today of any person who is lost without Jesus Christ? He came to save you. Won't you come? If you're here today and you know Jesus, you're walking in relationship with Him. You admit the struggle is real. It's daily warfare that's taking place in your life. And you need God's help. How many of you would lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless this hand. God bless this hand. This hand. This hand. Lord, hands are going up all over the building today. God, you see these hands. How many of you today in boldness and in faith would step out and meet me in the altar of God? I want to pray with you. How many would do that? Praise the Lord.
Lord, we love you. Touch the hearts today of your children, God. 